I don't know if I did that right, TK, but I think we're <laughs> live. I don't think so. I guarantee you the timing's off. Merry always. New Year, everybody. Merry hey, New Happy Year. Holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy everybody, welcome. We're going to do another live show today. This yes. time. Foolishly, we are attempting another live show, but we have learned from our mistakes, have we not, TK? Not no, like some people. We, we definitely are going to try it again because you know what? It's a special day. So why not do a live show? Bring some people on. Gives us a chance to interact. Shout out to the people already in the comments. Shout out to Shirt and Forbes for always trying to push out the likes and the comments. Shirt and on the That's the kind of support we are looking for. Tom Story. Trent. Isn't he coming on the show? What's he Tom, doing Tom's in the invited. comments? Yeah, Tom, yeah. you're invited. Of Don't worry. you're invited. You have go, the... go, go. Happy New Year. Hey, the, the Piper. Kasba. Happy December 31st. Because, you know, TK, everything changes tomorrow. Like, soon as that clock strikes 1201, everything's going to be totally different. I'm going to be right? a totally different person. Totally different person. thinking about person. changing my name. Although I feel like if I look back a year ago, I look like I'm at least one additional person right now. One year older. I'm gigantic. No, that's one thing that has to change. Not tomorrow. The second. Because mm. tomorrow I plan to eat you a lot, too. Can do it. Now I gotta Darryl, stop eating. You were on Jesus. you were on Greg Brady's show this week. No, again, can you believe early it? in the morning, AM six forty, you got invited back, and you guys were talking about some stuff. We were talking about some you know? stuff that hopefully yeah. we're gonna talk about some of it uh today. But uh, can you guys hear us in the chat okay? Can you hear the volumes okay? Everybody uh Give us the thumbs up Are here. Are we good? You know? Can we get some kind of indication yeah. as to Shirt how just said easy on going. the holiday leftovers, which I think he's referencing the fact that you were talking yeah, about, man. you know, yeah. getting a little bit of something, something. I've been you know? gorging. Lots of gorging. Bit of stuffing okay. and some extra turkey, you know? Sounds good. We got the okay. We got, we got the, the okay. okay on the audio. I wonder what the delay is on the... Um, Minimal. A few seconds. Video versus the chat. Oh, that I can't tell you, but... Uh, Audio's good. We're good to go. We got a huge lineup for you guys. We have learned from our previous mistakes. If you are here to hear people talk over each other for an hour and a half, this is the place for right you. Spot. <laughs> this is definitely the right spot. Yeah. Now would be a great time to mention we're, we're going to do things uh, a little differently, more like the Tom Story Show. We're going to celebrate 6,000 subs a little early because we're like right there. We're, we're sponsored by vaz city estates city thank estates. you sir real estate simplified Please you can win one of these wonderful extraordinarily well made and super are, warm i can tell that these were definitely the majority of them were made probably in bangladesh but these are definitely beautiful assembled here in canada like I the quality is just that much more than assembled what in canada which means yeah. they put the label on here right well the, i think the strings at least were inserted in the hood uh in canada but the quality That's is good. like top notch that, when that, you guys get our merch please don't judge our quality it's, yeah it will uh, not be as good as this from the back door um bandicoots in the warehouses so sorry if, guys if you want a chance uh you're gonna have to be a sub send us a message we got a few of these to give away so please sub we want we, we need like 65 to hit 6,000. okay like we're guys, so close today is the day that was the goal thousand subscribers Help with us you out. guys Online. on this show let's go 6, let's 000. go start another account get let's another go. account call everybody in your house and tell them to subscribe double subscribe like dawn, dawn so triple subscribe uh, I was on the radio again. For some reason, they invited me on for a second time, which I think is pretty cool. But uh, 
we, what were we talking about? We were talking about ideal developments. And I don't know if this is a big story or I was just kind of wrapped up into it and think it's bigger than it is. But um, they're cracking down on, on ideal developments. And uh, I, I imagine they're going bankrupt or they're already bankrupt on some sites. But it's a real kind of mess because they've basically stolen people's money over the better part of a decade. And, mm-hmm. and so we're just kind of hearing about it right now that they were fined you know one hundred and eighty thousand dollars for selling illegally so you you need a license in order how dare you build that home how dare you create housing in the housing crisis well i mean you evil developer you but it's one thing to and trust me from experience tk it's one thing to build a house illegally and sell it and it's another thing to build it legally and sell it and you know, there's a reason that we have rules here, and that's basically to slow everything down to a halt and screw not everybody. Get built. Yeah, not get anything done. But yeah. I mean, there are rules, and I guess you know. Look, the consumers need to be protected. There are people who don't know how to build homes, and if it's like the biggest purchase, especially in Canada, where it's a gazillion dollars to buy a home, and you buy a home that sucks and that falls down after you lived in it for only a year, you know, you need to have some protection. So. Terry on is a big part of that as far as the warranty process, but there's also the licensing. You know, well, but now there's code. Well, so what happened in 2021 is they split Terry on into two because it was so apparent that Terry on sucks at what they're supposed to do. And they said, you know what? You guys are not doing the job that we expected you to do. We're going to split this thing in into two. Okay. And by splitting it into two, they split up the duties. So right now you have Terion that's uh, responsible to make sure that the builders uh, keep the warranties uh, and do the warranty items and keep the, the houses in good working condition. Are you frozen or are you listening intently? Mm, Look like I was frozen there for a Looked second. Like you were going. frozen there. And, and now you have this other uh, branch. Uh, I forget what it's called, called the HRCA. And these guys are basically giving people licenses to build and sell the product. So when you, when, when you don't have this new license, they now have a reason to crack down on you, which they did before, but they were busy, I guess, getting people to fix the, the problems in the new houses that they built. They, they weren't busy enforcing, uh, I guess, that they had a sales license. So this guy was basically out there, you know, building a sales center, hiring salespeople and selling units, and he wasn't supposed to be. So, you know, he took five something million dollar of people's deposits and they fined them 150 grand. That seems fair, right? And Terion only covers up to 100,000, I believe, of customer deposits. So like... I'm pretty sure these houses had more than $100,000 deposits, right? Because they're like one point something million dollar homes. They have to have at least 200 and something thousand dollars. So everybody's out. Everybody loses except for ideal developments. But now what they're doing is they're saying like, we're never giving this guy a license ever again. And so I guess people are up in arms about the the fines. But... uh, the real problem for this guy is that uh, he can't do it anymore. He can't scam people out of their money anymore. Are you okay Which there, is a TK? problem for his business. Yeah, I'm just getting my, I guess my internet is slow here for the first time ever. Something but, weird uh, is going on with you. <clears throat> you can hear me right though, right? 
I can hear you fine. Good, good, we're good. You look like so you're frozen. And so Rico, like real estate side of things, like Rico announced a few years back. Oh no, TK, your audio just went bananas now. Oh no, but um, oh, Rico basically told us not to sell homes that are legally built. How do you know though? Let, like, how do you had, know? They had to let realtors know. Who has to let the realtor know? The builder? So has- Rico had to tell us. They said, guys, if the house has been illegally built. You need to not sell it. But how does the it's realtor gonna, know? Be responsible as well. How does the realtor well, know? I mean, there's there's a few signs usually, right? So the signs usually are when the builder says, "I've built this home for myself, mm-hmm. and I built that one over there for myself, and I sold it, and I built the other one there that uh, for myself, and I sold it, and I've been building houses for a long time. And don't worry, my work is really good." It goes even a step before this, though, because what's interesting is if you've built a house before, part of the application for a permit is your Tarion number, right? And you're supposed to have somebody's supposed to have Tarion. There's a loophole where if you're building for yourself, if you're building for yourself, you don't need Tarion. It's for me, my cousin, right, brother, my son. But there's not too many people that are like willing to give up their warranty to build the house themselves or for themselves, right? Oh, I'm doing it myself. I don't need a warranty from the builder I hired because he's giving me his warranty. This is what happened. He's right? good for it. Don't he worry about Terry on you have mine. See the property. He'll check in on it. You have mine. I'll going. be there for ever. What? He's yeah. a good businessman. That's he built right. three houses already. So, so I mean. I don't know how people can be confident in buying these things, but I think what's missing from the equation, okay, or at least one of the things missing from the equation, and our good friend Jordan is about to join, and he can probably attest to this more than anybody, but I got to think that the level of due diligence that most people make when buying a home or a pre-construction home is likely less than the due diligence they do when buying a used pair of Nike sneakers, right? Or it might just be as simple as calling Jordan Skrinko and saying, hey, what do you think, man? What's up, guys? Happy New Year's. Happy Happy New New Year. Look, he shaved for us. I'm going to go and reset my... Oh my God, TK is screwing up the whole show. He went uh, rare. He's going rogue. Yeah, very rare. He's having a technical difficulty. We've never seen it before. But at least we've got you, Jordan, the guy who gets more views than anybody on earth right now in Canadian real estate. It's weird, eh? What is happening? Weird how that happened. Yeah. What a this guy is a genius. How's how's well, how's things, man? How how's the uh, transition going? How is business? How are leads going right now for pre-construction? What's going on? I mean, that's the interesting thing is lead lead flow is great, right? People are still poking around. They want to know what's out there, but transactions are not great. Um, And I think it's just a separation. I mean, if you look at the, if we look at the third quarter launches this year, there was one project that blew out, right? Hmm. Pickering, uh, Pickering city center. They sold. Yes, sir. Yeah. I remember that. It's crazy. That was like, because what was the it, price it though? Crazy. 1050, 1100, 1050. They shifted some of the cost onto the closing side. So it was probably realistically closer to 11, but yeah, we'll call it 1050 in terms of priceless pricing. Hmm. Um, and then you've got comps and pickering at a thousand. And so that's what it is, right? It's just, there's a lot of demand out there. It's just not 
at 1700 a foot in Moss Park. Right. Um, the pre-con price is just, they're too elevated from resale for people to jump in. Um, so, I mean, like the, the demand's there. Clearly people are poking around. They want, they want to check pricing. They want to, they want to invest. It's just not at these prices. Right. Um, and you, I mean, who can blame them? No, I mean, it, it's been crazy for a long time. There's no doubt about it, but, uh, there isn't much to choose from if you do want to buy something now, is there? What do you mean? Like, there's, has there been a condo launch downtown recently? And then even if there has, it's like there's one in one place or like two or three, right? Like, it's a pretty well, there's, big area downtown. There's more standing inventory in the pre-construction market than there's been in a long time, like 16,000 units. So there's a lot to choose from. Yeah. It's just typically not recent launches, right? It's a lot of stuff that launched leftover inventory. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of weird, eh? It's um, I mean, it it's not that weird. Like it reminds me of 2016, 2015, like before condos ran. Like it's pretty normal. It's back to be, normal. Yeah. Well, I, a, I feel like for a while I've been saying, you know, it's too hot here, and you know, if you didn't sell out your building for six months, like it's really kind of still pretty normal isn't it like if you go to new york how long does it take to sell out a building there or anywhere uh, other than years Toronto, right? they in new york they usually have inventory after closing right they they usually do and, and i mean a lot of times mr tom story welcome to the show you mr resale good morning boys how mr. are you resale con and uh developer what's going on we're waiting for tk to come back on the show but uh everything's looking Looking good, at least from a YouTube perspective for everybody on the screen right now for next year, right? Everybody's views are starting to go up. Here we go, Mr. TK. But uh, what about sales? Are sales start like, so, so, so Jordan was just saying that uh, leads are relatively healthy at the moment, yeah. right? And I, I, I watch your show, so I know that, you know, things seem to be picking up for you guys. And I speak to TK, he feels kind of busy. Um, yeah, I at the end of last year, I was saying like people woke up at the beginning of 2023 and decided they liked real estate again from because the, the end of 2022 was just so quiet. Mm -hmm. This year, it seems like December 1st, they decided that we had a weirdly busy December, not not sale prices or anything crazy or multiple offers or anything, but like people wanted to do things, which I wasn't expecting. What do you mean by wanted to do things like make lowball shitty offers that won't yeah, go we, anywhere or no, but we got them accepted. That's the thing. You I got think we them did accepted. Six, we did six buyer condo sales in December. And I think in the next six months, those prices are going to look good. These are on we resale, right? But these are All on resale. resale. Yeah. yeah. Can All you, resale. can you go into a pre-con uh, office, Jordan, and give them a lowball offer on their price list? Like, are the, does that yeah, happen? Yeah. Now? You can. I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's a free country. Well, but I, 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 in the past, you know, I, I would go buy a pre-construction house when I, you know, way back in the day, and I'd like cross off all this stuff on the contract, and I'd add in all these things, and they would say, um, no, like we're not accepting ex accepting any of this, right? But yeah, I mean, like now. Look it did well it depends like at pickering city center they weren't accepting any adjustments on the agreement of purchase and sale it was boilerplate take it or to leave it no no adjustment right mm -hmm. so it just depends on the project the developer and what they've what margin they have if they have a lot of margin you go into the sales office you're like look i'm unrepresented you know cut me a break on price because there's no commission here they're like they might be willing to do that now whereas last year 
or the year prior, they would have been like, no, take a hike. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, it is interesting. Tom, do you feel like people are trying to front run a bit? Because what I've noticed is we've, we've had, we had a lot of assignments that have been sitting, right? Because a lot of times with assignments, people, they might take a low ball and lose half their deposits, but they're not going to list for that. Their asking price is never going to be that. So they're going to say listed at purchase price plus 5% and let's hope for the best. Right. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get low balls on this. You got to prepare yourself. Um, which is why I always say there's a return on pain in the ass. A lot of people will look at assignments and say, there's no good deals. And I'm like, there's no good deals on paper. You got to reach out to these people. I mean, we just had one where the guy was listed. It was a freehold in Markham. The guy was listed at 2.2, which was the original purchase price. We got it done for 1.8. So you have to be putting out those low bids if you want a chance of success. But anyways, my point is we had assignments that were sitting on the market for three months with no activity. And one example is just yesterday, we got two offers in the same day on an assignment that hadn't had a price change that had just been sitting there for three months with zero interest. And it just kind of feels like people are trying to front run the market a little bit right now. Hmm. Well, cause I mean, rates have come down since Tom locked in, right? <laughs> yeah, they have. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When I saw that episode and you told me, you told everybody you locked in, like that was the point where rates started dropping, right? If anybody wants to thank me for bringing down interest rates, it was thank when you. I locked into a fixed rate that it happened, really was so. right. And weren't you, Mister Variable, for like the last forever before that? And I'm still winning. My 10 year horizon on variable, I'm still winning. Right. You know, I got punched in the face the last two years, but previous to that, the difference was huge. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had a variable rate in my life, but like now, now, I don't know how we got onto this now, but like. What do we think is happening this year? I know you guys were making predictions like a slow, steady kind of pace down in interest rates this year. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think that's probably I mean, it seems to be the general consensus, right? Um, not that the general consensus yeah. has been overly correct. We trust this years, general but... consensus of ours. Is this something that we should be relying upon? I, uh, I found most of the people in our space on YouTube talking about interest rates next year have actually been somewhat conservative in how they think they're going to go down. Nobody wants to make the same mistake as last year, looking like a fucking idiot, right? The banks have been way more aggressive in what they're saying than anybody on the internet. Um, But I don't think, not that it doesn't matter what Bank of Canada does next year, but the bond yields, the fixed rate is going to be what moves the market for the first six months of 2024 anyways. It's not going to matter what Bank of Canada does. TK, welcome back on your phone. I guess uh, the computer fuck was the problem. I, I might be the operator, but anyways, we, we... Uh, we're having an internet issue with our co-host here. Well, hopefully, people are still listening. Sorry, where were we at there, guys? Um, interest rates. Interest next year. rates next year. Yeah. So can can uh, can I throw something into the pot in the conversation? Um, like from a responsible economic perspective, although we're all in real estate and we know that what happens when they drop rates will likely be another fucking crazy boom and a lot of sales for us. Um, like, is it responsible at this point in time when the when, when things are looking kind of rocky all over the place to already be talking cuts? Like, shouldn't we hold for a little and see what happens for a bit? Probably. I, I, I couldn't really care less what's responsible. I care is what's good for my clients and what's good for me, to be mm-hmm. honest. 
Well, isn't like, that the same thing at the end of the day? If Maybe you look not. at a long-term horizon, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It depends how long out we're looking, right? Yeah, do people look people long in the real, in the real estate, estate? What's that? What about the people who aren't in the real estate market? You know, so people who aren't, maybe they don't have a mortgage, maybe they're not worried about rates, maybe they're not buying, they're not selling, they're not involved in the industry. Well, there's a lot, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that are irresponsible, right? Like mm-hmm. perhaps, I don't know, a population growth of 1.2 million in a single year is a little irresponsible. When you look at the fastest growing countries in the world and Canada's right up at the top of the chart with South Sudan, there, there, there's, you know, there's a discussion that needs to happen about that. Um, but I, but I think, yeah, long-term, long-term it's, it's probably a horrible place to be. Right. Um, there's just no, no, there's, there's no, there's no policy changes you can make that will free up the labor needed to build housing quick enough for that level of population growth. There's nothing you can do at a policy level. I don't think. Mm -hmm. The total number of skilled trades that came in was like marginal, right? Was that something that you did, Jordan? Uh, no, it was probably Dan, but I think I saw Dan's video on it. It was like, yeah, what, yeah it was like out of, it was like out of uh, 400 and something thousand immigrants in the economic class, something like 400 of them work trades. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's great. a minimal amount. But like, let's not forget that at the time that they're bringing in all these people, construction is slowing because the prices aren't making sense for new projects to start. Right. So we, we, we know we're behind, right, number-wise, or at least some of us understand that we're behind, right, with the amount of houses versus the amount of people that need them. But um, when the numbers don't make sense, the builders don't keep building into oblivion. They put on the brakes, right? And so nobody's hiring trades right now, or it not at the pace that we needed them two, three years ago when things were still ramping up. They're not ramping up right now. Like, how many shovels are going in the ground right now? Right? And if they are, aren't we all looking at them going, why are they starting right now? Like, are they crazy? Why are they selling right now? There must be some reason that they're selling right now, no? Like, is this a good time to sell your house or a condo project or anything? It's not, but, but like, look, a lot, we're, we're already seeing that. Like, to the, like shouldn't you be holding off? It's like, well, yeah, 14,000 units held off this year. That's half the market. Half of the pre-construction units that would normally launch did not. So 50% of developers said, no, we're not launching, right? So I think like the other 50%, there's reasons you have to launch or there's reasons you launch that project instead of the other. So there's a reason that you go, you know, we got a site in Hamilton and we got a site in downtown Toronto. We can we can probably sell Hamilton, but we cannot sell downtown Toronto. Like it's just the, the absorption is just not there. Yeah. So let's do Hamilton this year. Let's move up the timeline on that and push back Toronto to next year or the year after or whatever. Um, and then you have other developers who it's like, oh, well, my land loans up on renewal or whatever. So there's some reason, smaller guys, there's some reason I got to go today. I got to I got to go to market and try to make this work, right? Not everybody can just afford to be like, "Ah, that condo we were supposed to launch this year, let's push out 2 years." It's like we have salaries to like we're developers, we have to develop. Mm-hmm. We're having those same issues in the resale market too, right? It's just doesn't make sense for most people to sell right now and the answer is no. Right? You got to have a, a real reason to move, you got to have a real reason to, you know, make the transition. You got to have a lot of guts to do any type of move to go from a you know condo to a detached or vice versa right you got to have a lot of guidance right now and so that's why there's just less transactions overall tom what's going on in the condo market downtown i mean it's still relatively quiet from what we're used to but i was talking just when you weren't here it it did pick up weirdly in december a little bit 
um, yeah. and a ton of listings as we all expected came off the market. Right. So what I want to see is for the first two, three months of next year, what inventory level we kind of land at for like a three month, maybe average to see what things are going to do. Um, what I'd be curious and because like mathematically and maybe I can't see the chat, but maybe Daryl, let me know what people are saying. You know, 33 to 39 percent of people watching this don't own real estate like just stats Canada, the renters. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I'm curious for the people that are renting right now. When you're looking, m most people that I've seen online that want the market to come down is so that they can get in, which I fully understand, right? Sure. So I'm curious for renters, it's like, what do they want to happen or what do they think is going to happen that's going to put them in a position to get in? Because if the rate cuts start going down, eventually sales volume is going to pick up, then transactions are going to pick up, then prices are going to pick up. Is that going to be good for them? I don't know. Right. But like, wh what end in sight do we see? If you're renting right now and you don't have a down payment, Oh, you need what a needs bunch to happen of, for you to get in. You need a flood of inventory is what you need, right? right? You need a bunch that. of buildings. No, we didn't. We had seven months of inventory. I've never seen that much for downtown uh -huh. condos. And prices are only going to go down like 2% this year. Yeah, but that's the problem. It's where they are and how much they are versus what the people that are looking for rental space can afford, right? So, so you, you take someone looking for a one bedroom, right? Because they want to not live in a studio or a bachelor right? And if you're in Toronto, you're probably like 2, pushing, yeah, like if you're lucky and that place is probably not great. Although I did Rent, see some new, down. yeah, I did see some new rental buildings where the prices for at least studios were like, you know, somebody might be able to afford them. But yeah. that, this is the thing. They're, they're going to even out. They're going to rent. are going to even out again. Not not to say they're yeah. going to go down, but they'll stop rising for, for a while. But the immigrants are not all single uh, uh, like kids going to school, like there's families that need, you know, two, three bedrooms, right? How much, how much is a goddamn three bedroom to rent for God's sakes, right? Like what's right, an average? 35, 30, yeah, 500 yeah. bucks. So how much money do you need to afford that? Right. But even you look at the, the potential new inventory that will come if the government makes good in all their promises and the track record's not great. They're building won't. rentals. It's not. That's what come. Canada's building. Yeah, but it can't come because look, you know what's going on right now. All, all of the developers that were really close with to, to to being final permit and ready to go went. Oh my God, we can get more height now. We can get more density now. We're gonna go back in for more, right? So a bunch of stuff that coulda came on because. Uh, uh, like the goings were good and everybody was ready to launch, held back. A bunch of people held back, you know, on buying land. A bunch of people held back on applications because they wanted to resubmit, right? A bunch of people waited to apply because we all have been hearing for like a year and a half that all these new changes are coming to planning, right? And nothing ever really has changed like we get a bunch of memos the uh, things we're thinking about but nothing that really passed into law so like there's a lot of great ideas floating around but e even first of all there's not that even though it seems like everywhere you look is a crane or a construction site there's not that many developers compared to the demand that's necessary and then even if we had enough projects that could handle the actual demand there's no one to build them Right. And there's nobody really putting R&D into robotics and automation. And I'm not kidding. Like, that's the way out of us, the supply crunch, because it's not my son who's 17. He's never going to touch a hammer. Right. It's not TK's son. He's he's going to only touch a hammer when his dad makes him. Right. 
And this is the generation coming in. They don't, maybe if there's a remote control, they'll touch the hammer. <laughs> That's what they need. They need remote controls. Right. But so, so how, like the question was, is how do we get out of this thing? Right. Well, the, the next two years are going to be some level of rocky for, for a certain percentage of people with mortgage renewals. Like we all know that's coming, right? There's yeah. going to be more bank sales than we've seen. It's probably not going to be to the level, level people think, but there will be that. So we had the housing minister of BC on our podcast and he talked about his homes for people plan. Or no, that stop was the, showing, the, stop showing off, Tom. All right. Yeah, sorry. Housing sorry, minister. Of good guess. Hey, we but get wait, we wait, get Jordan Scrinko all the time, but <laughs> like, but wait, Jordan gets more views, anyways. But he gets more views in one video now <laughs> than we all get in a year. In a year, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but then we had an economist from BC on going over their plan, where they're just everything is like you can build four units. It's it's everything. Eventually, Ontario will probably copy this, right? And his models as an economist said that, okay, by the end of like 2027, 2028, if they build at the pace that they need to, they could hopefully get price appreciation down to 3% a year instead of six. Mm -hmm. And then another 10 years of people build. So, so there could, again, the models aren't usually right that often, but even if we can get it down to 4%, it's better than six. When, when you're compounding at these prices, it's, it can get out of hand pretty quick, right? So it's like the next two years, there'll be pain. After that, though, if we don't do something, it's going to get bad again for people. Like in terms of price acceleration, how's it not? Well, but that's what happens if the rates come down too soon. I know. Right? And then it's like, yeah. oh, great. Now we got to do this again, right? Because they're going to have to hike again. And so it's like, if we just be reasonable for a little bit, right and let this thing kind of fix itself and get to a healthy spot like three percent four percent for everybody all the time like and never go lower and never go higher right just a shout out quickly we're trying to reach six thousand subscribers today guys yeah. uh <laughs> this is what our shirts are these are vases cityestates.ca sweaters this is for six thousand subs but we put them on uh, prematurely so guys we pulled the Tom Story right. show with the sub wow. count celebration. We're just trying to get to 6,000 during the <laughs> We <show>. celebrate early. <laughs> there he is, the sponsor of the episode. Welcome, <laughs> sir. Thank you for joining us. Hey, I think he forgot. I'm like texting him, no, no, emailing no. Dude, him. No, the, no, no, no. I will never forget, man. This thing is, this is the highlight of my life right now. You took all this time to make sure your your audio was worse than TK's? Is that Was, was that the is goal? Is that what happened? No, well, dude, I'm de- I'm dealing with a oh. six-year-old that's sick, a four-year-old that's sick. My wife is sick. It's the best I when sl- I've slept on a couch, by the way, for the last you know four days. So that's what I'm dealing with. Oh my god, the best. But it's is all when- good, man. That's what I'm saying. This is legitimately the highlight of my life because this is Christmas for me. This is the highlight. <laughs> this 100%. is the holiday. I'm not even kidding. Right. This is the holiday. Yeah. Too bad we weren't in a in a bar and it was a little later. A little bit of food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year. So, so welcome to the show. What are we talking about? Not, not much. Interest rates at the moment. You walked into the interest rate uh, discussion. Um, and I think I was just saying that we'd be really stupid to lower rates anytime soon. What do you, what do you think about that? Listen, man, a lot of, I don't know what you guys have talked about, but Tom is probably the best. What TK too. It's a lot of buyers have been coming off the sidelines, I think, because they're like, hey, I'm getting the rates that were available in the summer, but prices are down five, six percent since. So I don't know. I mean, listen, selfishly, yeah, it's a it's a good thing that they're coming back. But I agree with you, it's premature probably. But who are we to decide? Who are, are buyers we to coming decide? back right now, guys? What do you what do you see? 
Yeah. Listen, anecdotally, right? Anecdotally, I've had like, you know, maybe five or six buyers that will kind of like, they're serious, semi-serious. And, you know, something comes up, we'll go look at a place, but, you know, it doesn't check, you know, it doesn't work for whatever reason. And out of nowhere, like in the last, probably towards the middle of December, a bunch of them just, you know, I'm not following up. Hey, do you want to go do something? They just came to me and they're like, listen, uh, you know, I, th I talked to my mortgage person. It looks good, this and that. And the next thing you know, we're looking at stuff and putting in offers. I'm very curious to see how the December numbers are going to look in terms of deals that were done, uh, just to see if that's going to reflect in the data. If what's going to reflect in the data? Transaction volume. So you know how I do a trend line of seasonal, like how many deals? So let's say, oh man, off the top of my head, I can't remember. So let's say we do 8,000 deals based on 15 years of seasonal data. So on a monthly basis, if in December we do 6,000 and we usually do eight, that's actually really good because we've been trending at 4,000 on average. So if we do you know, 80% or 75% of seasonal norms, that's a great month, in my opinion, based on where we are now. Because in October, for example, we did 4,000 deals when the norm was 8,000. That's a bad month, right? So I had listings where we had to terminate because we were getting no action. It was very difficult. But it seems like it's, things have changed a little bit. Do you believe in seasonal norms, Jordan? Yeah, of course. What do you mean? Do I? It's not Santa Claus. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. Like, listen... <laughs> if you would believe in seasonal norms over the last two years, which everybody's just okay wiping off the face of the stats list, right? If if all you cared about was seasonal norms, those would be unseasonably crazy months all the time, right? And that's not abnormal at all, right? Like if you look, I, I remember when I used to be in the furniture business, I would everybody would talk about like, it's going to be a good month next month because normally it is, but like, this is crazyville, right? Like we don't know when, when, um, what, what's how you guys were just talking about it. Like the, the trade routes are all fucked up again because of the hooties attacking all the freight ships. Like who called that one? Right? Like that can't be in a seasonally adjusted norm. Can it? And, and, and then like a pandemic, for example, that kind of threw things but I, off. A I, think, oh, I think the pandemic, back. I'm, back. I'm back. I know. Anyway, so the, the thing that's been like really obvious is since the pandemic, we've been just throwing out excuses. And I said this to Daryl this week. I said, economists are almost always wrong and the, about predicting the economy. And the only people who are more often wrong are people who are not economists predicting the economy because it's just the way it is, you know, and we're coming up with all these different reasons and this and that and that. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's very obvious. No one has a clue. Even the people who are supposed to be our experts Please subscribe but <laughs> when we've got all these different things that are like being added to the pile it's just information it's information it's information overload and so right shit. now there's just so much fear mongering out there right now and that's why nobody's buying pre-con that's why nobody's uh, no developers are buying even the, the pros are all affected by this this is why the resale markets uh on, on on stall i mean maybe we'll look back look okay maybe i'm wrong but maybe we'll look back in two years and we'll say geez, the end of 2023 was the best time to buy and to get into the market. And I would have been so much more ahead if I had just done that. I don't know. Right. But these if are I all the things. Just bought a floor at the new uh, uh, launch in 2023, right? I'd be, a, I would have been a genius. 
If you're in the market for a full floor, please DM me. <laughs> right now. <laughs> He's your guy. But, DJ, <laughs> but to, to your point, so statistically speaking, what you just said is likely going to be the, the truth. Statistically speaking, I mean, the, the question is whether it's going to go up 8% year over year or is it going to be 2% year over year. Statistically, what you're saying is correct. And this is, I beat myself up over this all the time. I try to be... You know, I try to be reasonable on all these different things when it comes to the future. Not that I'm trying to predict it, but ultimately, 80% of the time, man, prices are going to go up. Mm -hmm. Like the 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 I I, to I totally agree. And so analysis analysis paralysis is always like this huge like phenomenon. And the worst clients and uh, Vaz, you would know this. The worst clients are accountants, right? Like oh, the yeah, more that's why I can't. The, I hate the, them. I hate like, them all. The more you have, the more data you can analyze, you know, is like the worst thing you could possibly do for your investment philosophy. And the guys, the, the, the some of the best investors I know, the guys who own the most properties, I just met one yesterday. They're the most simple guys. They're just like, yeah, I don't know, just buying houses. I don't know. The bank said I could get another one. And oh, I bought an apartment building because, you know, I could find out ways. I wasn't even really thinking about it, but then my neighbor wanted to sell. And so I just bought another one. Like, it's just such a slow paced life for some of these guys who are absolute geniuses after 20 years because they just kept on buying everything with no fear of overanalyzing, right? But I've been I've been analyzing deals for some guys for years. They never bought anything. But just to be fair, so like we all know guys that are worth well, I mean, lots of millions of dollars or they're developers, or whatever. And you know, they're in this, I don't want to say a privileged position, but when you have 40 years of going through different cycles and different things, they're looking at things completely different. So if I'm asking them the question of what would you do if you were in my shoes, like asking that guy in particular, that information and advice is while it's directionally correct, it is not going to be very beneficial to me personally because things have changed so much. So like they're buying, they have the staying power. They like, you know, they don't really care about the ups and downs, but we're way yeah. more susceptible to the ups and downs of, of deals. Like it's, it's a different stuff. time too. Like it's a very different time to do that. There were periods over the last 40 years that you could be that aloof guy that, you know, happened to buy something in cabbage town, you know, and now it's worth 3.2 million or, you know, happened to buy a few in cabbage town when they were 200 grand back in the day, or, you know, happened to buy a few at Bayview and York mills back in the day, you know, like, I'll give you sorry. Look, here's a story. This is going to involve Tom. This is going to be very interesting. But Tom, you don't know this. So I was coming back from a trip with my family from California. I think it was 2023, 2022. You just launched your podcast and I was listening to it. And this is the funniest thing. So you had Richard Robbins, who I yeah. kind of knew of, but I didn't know much about him. So that's the context. In 2021, December of 2021, I went and put in an off-market deal offer on a property in my neighborhood. And I was going to subdivide. I was going to apply for a subdivision permit and do four townhomes and a detached home. And I went firm. It was a lot of money. And it was literally at the peak. And I was going to have to get commercial financing and all the good stuff. Two and a half million bucks. Talked to my wife. We we're like, you know, we're all in. We're doing this. And then I couldn't sleep for like two days. I could not sleep. I'm like, I'm way in over my head. Like, I don't know if I have the staying power, blah, blah, blah. Went back to the seller who has my deposit. And I'm like, listen. I got myself and way in over my head, please let me out of this deal. He just laughed and he let me out. He's like, listen, I get it. You know, you're stuck. Like you're not starting out, but like, I get it. Like you're in over your head, no problem. He lets me out. Richard Robbins bought that property. 
And it was funny because on your podcast, he was talking about how he bought <laughs> this property and then the neighbors were really happy because he wasn't going to develop it because the neighbors did get wind that I was going to do all these things. So it was just kind of funny. But anyway, like I did that. And had I gone through with that deal, I wouldn't be sitting on this podcast. I'd be working probably at McDonald's on my 17th shift because I'd be like completely screwed right now. So that's what I'm saying. Like the advice is just, you got to be very careful, man. It's a very different time. And I think we're operating at way higher leverage points right now as well. So I don't know. People are getting what did he do out. with the property? Did did uh... oh he's chilling like he has he has the staying power. He bought an amazing property that he's he has. It's their it's their company it. office. Yeah, it used to be like a hospital way back when. Like the, the property has some crazy history. Lots of babies were born in that in yes. that property. Oh. Yeah. that's good. That's good luck. You know, that's good for the future. Yeah, so <laughs> he bought an That's a that's an amazing property and probably. You know he's going to be done with it and in the future you will be able to do what i wanted to do maybe i was thinking about it too prematurely but that deal would have wiped me out right now because you were dealing with commercial uh, commercial loans floating rates and it was right in december 2021 so funny because you know the the a different seller would have you know tried to sue the shit out of you right for trying to well, back I, out of the I deal or yeah, force you to go, go through, through it, right? Which would have just probably been a whole other nightmare for this for the seller, anyways, right? So that so sounds like it worked. List, out. It, it, it worked out, but because demand was still so high, he knew he would be able to sell it. Because again, we were in peak FOMO. Like I got myself in. The, I was just proud that I was able to get in on that deal before a guy like Richard. That's my holy accomplishment that I was in before the these good old boys. Because these guys have the money, I don't, but I still got myself in there. So. That's the learning. At least you know how to pinpoint the property. Now you gotta I, yeah. Now you gotta figure out how to close to... the deal and and do the deal and hang on for dear life. Yeah. It's a skill, yeah. trust me. Listen, I my mentor back in like two thousand seven was like, Go, 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 man. Like I just sold my first house and he's like, Go, get two, go, go, go. So I did, and then and then like what happened, right? creamed the market nobody nobody knew anything was coming nobody knows when things are gonna come everybody you know there wasn't this kind of talk about things in analysis like we have now you couldn't go on youtube and get any of this stuff back then right there wasn't the over analysis you had to rely on like am 640 news for what was going on in the in the world and and news on tv very different but still like crazy times and like what Vaz is saying is it, it's the perspective of where the advice is coming from right because for him this guy is like you know one of the bigger developers in the city so his you know he's like yeah just hang on everything will be okay and I'm like putting everything I have and everything everybody I know like their money into these deals right and I'm like just going crazy because everybody's like go 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 the market's great like go for it why not do two this time Right. I always, we always say in the show and something that was taught to me a long time ago is the only guaranteed way to make money in real estate is to sell things to other realtors. Right. Because at the end of the day, you don't know what the market's going to do. And uh, Richard Robbins buying that property right there, you know, <laughs> that's selling stuff to realtor money right there, you know. Yeah. So that's what it is. You know, you got to just uh, look at all your your issues. And yeah, staying power, I think, is everything. If you can hang on to any property for the right amount of time, you know, guys who bought in the 80s or 90s, whatever the timeline was, my uh, parents bought their home in 86, sold it for the same price in 2002, right? So at the time, I'm sure that hurt. They weren't really thinking about it like as an investment. It was just a place for their family to live. 
But somebody now who bought in 2002, if they have to sell it 16 years later for the same price, I'm sure that hurts. But that price back in 2002 was $240,000, where that home now would be probably $1.5 million. Right. Right? So it's just about how long can you stay in the deal in order to be able to realize the gain. And, um, I mean, these are the rules. you got to play by them. So, so do, do we feel like things are going to come back if they hold rates and drop rates like relatively responsibly? Like, I know we're all kind of being standoffish with our predictions, but like there's people out there going, yeah, four points this year, right? Or two and a half points this year coming down. Come back to what? Good question. Like, just like, like feeling like, everybody's busy and things are moving and like like what what would be normal i guess right because because I mean, we went from 20 year high in sales volume or highest ever 100 year high and then 20 year low within 18 months so we never really get to set nicely in the middle so even if it comes back to relatively not great sales numbers it's going to feel like the market's picked up oh, yeah. just like it yeah. felt crazy when it slowed down have we shed a bunch of realtors yet? Do you well, notice? maybe you see you can hold they, your, you can hold your license double now. Yeah, I think I think we have. You think we have? Yeah, dude. Because because I got three Ubers in a row and they were all driving Teslas, and I'm like, you're probably a realtor, <laughs> right? No, but for real, are are we are we? Like, I think we, we added, must be we, adding. We added I mean, whatever we lost. No, but maybe we haven't lost it like in the numbers and the people giving up their licenses, but you probably mm -hmm. lost it in the people waking up every day, trying to actually do this for a living, mm -hmm. but yeah. they've kept their license. I hope. Yeah. That would make sense that there's people who decided not to, uh, to sign up. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, there's the, the, the fee we have, like I already paid that. What is it? Two grand now with those like benefits. two grand this year. Yeah. So I figured maybe that would be the indicator, but I don't even know. Can you get that data? I mean, is that even public? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Humber would matters, release so. that. No, it matters big time because it, we need there to be less realtors. We need but there it will to. Be. There I, will I be. I did a graph one, once. I what I did is I pulled up in the U.S. because the data is more readily available. But I just looked at price increases to realtors joining the like becoming realtors. So there was like a six month lag. So as prices increased, it, there was like a direct correlation with realtors, the aggregate of realtors increasing, and same on the way down. So that makes sense. It's uh you know. I don't know, man. I think Toronto, it's, it, Tom brought up a good point. I think people, active realtors will decrease, but I don't think we're going to see that in the data Licence. anywhere. Yeah. Are we seeing like less assistance or administrative or <laughs> like is this new realm technology making a difference or no. I don't know. Like, I feel like everybody's still hiring people, even though it's slow. Like, it's so weird right now. If you talk to somebody in the furniture business, it's like really not good right now, but most other businesses seem to be doing okay other than, you know, real estate. But I mean, try and get a contractor now. The timeline's maybe a little shorter, but they're still busy as hell and they're charging stupid prices. I just, I'm going through that right now. I couldn't believe how long I had to wait. You need to hire Vaz. He's obviously free labor. He puts up like posts for people and yeah, yeah. he built that whole thing behind them with his own hands. He forces you know his what? kids that's to my, do it. That's my, that's my therapy, man. That's like working with my hands and like car, like houses. And that's my, I built so many things that for me, that's therapy. But back to one thing you guys talked about. I spoke to a few people that left my brokerage and uh, I was wondering why they left and where they went. 
And what was interesting is a, a bunch of them actually joined other teams. So they were individual agents and they went on to join other teams because I guess business was drying up. They don't know how to generate leads. And that's obviously a very, that's probably the most important part of being a real estate agent. And the one that I think a lot of us, like I, I'm learning it, I'm trying to figure it out, but people went on to join teams. That was yeah. interesting. Applications to our team skyrocketed in the last Skyrocketed. What does that look yeah. like? Like as a percentage? Like we're getting three applicants to three or four every single week now. To Whereas join the team. We were, huh? Yeah. Before we were getting a like that in a month, maybe. And are these new-ish realtors? Or are they seasoned? All over the board. All over the board. People from other successful pre-construction teams who fit. Because the thing is, like, I track ad spend very closely, right? And what what you'll notice is, like, all of the top platinums essentially cut their ad spend to zero in the last year. Like, none of them are running ads, right? So if you're on a team and you rely on lead flow from your, you know, your team lead, or that's just traditionally how the business is done on the team, and suddenly they're not providing you that that lead, you, you're, you're looking for another... Um, Another, another team, lead right? Factory, right? But who are, who are the people who are like if you're leaving a team already, and you know you weren't able to make it at a team who's quote unquote a top platinum team, you know what are the odds of that person being successful at another organization, right? Yeah, the odds are pretty low, and that's why our acceptance rate has been pretty low. Um, yeah. I, I, like, and you see it a lot, right? People who switch teams every six months, and it's like I want no part of that. Like, you're looking for a silver bullet. You're looking for this place that's just going to hand you on silver platter like yeah. a done deal. Like that doesn't exist. Like it's always hard work, right? But I mean, you, there's a lot of those people who just got into this business who thought it was going to be easy and now are confronted with the fact that they've signed up to be a salesperson for the rest of their life. And they're like, oh, like I actually have to talk to people all day. I actually have to yeah. respond to emails. I actually have mm -hmm. to go out of my way to try to do something, you know, above and beyond what other realtors are doing. That doesn't sound very fun. Um, you know, they were watching Selling Sunset and they're like, this is what being a realtor is. That's right. Million dollar listing. Right? You yeah, just have to wear like, nice clothes. Like yeah. Drive around. Yeah. So, but I mean, it was kind of like that here for a lot of people for a long time. Like you had those characters that were really not doing much that were like lead gener. They, not that they hadn't at some point in time. I mean, it does take time to build one of these wonderful teams that you, we see all over the place, right? Like Frank Leo didn't turn into the Frank Leo team overnight. Like he had to do some good stuff first. Right. And then he had to, you know, building up a... a decent person and make sure you're not getting screwed. Cause well, look how many people have been thrown under the bus in the last year. Realtors, especially getting involved with like the war and different things like that. Like reputations get ruined so easily. Right. It's crazy. Well, Cancel culture is here. But you know what? You can try canceling somebody for the wrong reasons, like a good person. It doesn't stick, okay? Like the people that are getting canceled for the most part, first of all, we're talking about Canadian real estate. Like who's really getting canceled? Who sees any of this shit anyways, right? Like there's plenty of customers for the people that get canceled. But what's important is like these teams, how many good leads can all of you great teams provide for people consistently? Like, how is that even a thing? Like, where are all when these? The market, when the market changes, things change, obviously, right? I mean, and like, it's the same thing investments. Like when investments, when the market's going up, everybody's a genius. Oh, I got all these great opportunities. I'm making all this money. And then all of a sudden the market changes. And now those same strategies didn't work anymore. It's the same thing with any business in any 
era and any type of economy, you know, you're going to have things that work better in certain markets than they do in other markets. Right. And so you have to be willing to change and you have to be willing, like Jordan said, work hard. If you gave up all those basic fundamental things because things were coming easy to you, now things aren't coming easy anymore and you're struggling because right. you're not doing the most basic fundamental things in order to be able to generate business for yourself. Right. Right. Okay. So Jordan, like, let's just uh, say my daughter's looking for a, a job at a pre-con team right? Like a good one like yours. But what would she need to be able to show you for you to be willing to take on like a newly licensed broker these days? Like what is beneficial to to a team leader like you? So they so if someone's newly licensed, we just don't give them leads. They have to buddy system with one of our top reps uh, until they're good enough until they know the product well enough to go out on their own, right? It doesn't even matter. You, what what about hiring them? Like what gets you to even give them that opportunity? Like you're oh, saying, you so get three favorite, people so my, a week, right? Yeah. So my favorite thing to do, uh, I don't, I don't interview anymore. We have someone who does that. But uh, my, when I used to interview, my favorite thing to do was to, I would print out a list of 20 people who had recently registered on the website for different condos. And I would, give them the information on the condos. And I'd be like, study this for 30 minutes and then call this list. Right. And it's crazy. 90% of them crumble. Right. They crumble. They're like, you want me to call these people live like right now? now? Like now? I'm like, yeah. Like on the you, phone you, call? Calling from pre-condo, you, you, you requested information on craft residences. Like I wanted to give you an idea of what the project's about and what's available. You give them and a it's script? It's funny. You, no script. No, no script. just call them. Just call them and be friendly. You're not trying to sell them something. Just give them the information that they called for. See if they have any questions about the information that was already provided to them. Like, just do a job. Are they? Are these <laughs> like starting. old shitty leads? Like, you're not burning no. good leads, right? Yeah, we, they we have this, a lot of. Them. This is this is the so I I'm a student of Jordan's targeted ads, um, I guess uh, strategies, and they're they're phenomenal. And I used to think the same way. Are they good leads, bad leads? It's honestly the whole thing is irrelevant. Like there is no good or bad. Like it's just it. Like every single lead, something could come out of it. Just you can't have the expectation that it's immediate or anything's gonna happen. Especially like for example, I focus on downsizers. Nothing is immediate. I think I had one that like we like transacted within a thirty days, but that was completely like fluke. That was random. Mm -hmm. So, but but what he's talking about is it's, it's amazing because calling is very like one thing is to call. And another thing is to call and be good at it. And to, those are two very different things. But people just have a hard time just overcoming the first hurdle of actually calling. But then the other thing is actually being good on the phone. And being good on the phone is not selling me the spam, but creating, uh, potentially getting an appointment for either a listing or a buying appointment or potentially setting the stage for one in the future Yeah. without being, you know, annoying. I when I When I first started in the development business, my mentor said, Call everybody that owns a site with a development application and try and buy their site. And I was like, really? Okay. And, and I just did it. And it was the scariest thing in the world. But most people don't realize somehow that like, if you can just get through the fear of cold calling, like you become a superhero, right? Like that's the real answer. If you just keep making those fucking calls, like, consistently whatever it is like your 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 success rate is a direct result of the amount of calls you put out into the universe right yeah and and it's funny because everybody here has overcome the fear 
like making video, getting on video, like that was very challenging for me. And like, I was like, you know, and then you realize that nobody cares anyway. And it doesn't matter how stupid you sound, you just have to do it. And I find actually not to sound, this is going to sound kind of stupid, but I think the less intelligent you are, the better it is for going out in public because you just don't care. You don't, you don't look at the nuance of how people might be judging you. Sometimes you're too smart for your own good. We're like, oh, I, I said this, this is wrong. You realize no one cares. Cares. These are the principles behind our show. Don't don't share the secrets here, Vat. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Anyway. So I except, think except uh, for Jordan, obviously. Twitter cares. Yeah. Twitter does care. Oh, Twitter sucks now, doesn't it? Is it just me? So bad. Isn't it like Twitter sucks or X, whatever it is. Yeah. So bad. So bad now. Well, you know there are agents that actually pull leads from there, which is I'm not gonna name names, but there are people that get business from there, which is amazing to me because. I don't know how, but they do it. Like I can see like from TikTok or Instagram. I can tell you. I can tell you how. You want to know how? Yeah. I can tell you how to pull leads from X right now. Okay. Start being super bearish. Mm -hmm. Those people are not going to transact. You think? Do bears transact? Uh, Eventually. Eventually they do. They could be sellers. Yeah. They could be sellers. They should all be sellers if they're really bearish. Right. Yeah. They should all be ready to sell every every piece of their real estate. I did three days of Twitter and I got out. I said, okay, that's enough of that. So you guys are brave. But um, what's going on with the YouTube world? I mean, you guys are all on YouTube right now. What are we seeing in the YouTube? I mean, are we all tracking now higher? Are we getting more and more views? Is it a bigger audience? Are people more interested in real estate right now? What's going on? Uh, I think Jordan's getting all the views and we're just crawling behind him yeah, but uh needs to figure this one out i i had our best know. like a month ago like i mean everybody, everybody's growing right now right yeah. i've noticed like ever since the canadian news thing and i don't know if it's technically on google yet or if it's just facebook but whenever that came into place my views skyrocketed maybe because we're canadian content creators whatever the algorithm is doing on the back end it's pushing our stuff more yeah you feel like that never thought that before yeah yeah, that makes sense, though. I mean, and, and then also what options do people have for news? They used to be able to get their articles and stuff on their feeds. And now if they're not getting that anymore, they have to go to YouTube or Spotify or whatever to try to get their fix. Right. And like if you yeah. look at the back end of all your channels, and you look at other channels people watched like a few of them are us. Sure. But then it's like BNN, CTV. Though, so then your videos are being recommended after the <laughs> after the, <laughs> the news video. Right. Yeah, we get other Canadian YouTubers generally are all of ours. We don't get any serious stuff attached. What to what, what kind of Canadian YouTubers do you guys get? You, like it's you, you and Bo, Tom and Vaz okay, and yeah, Steve yeah. and don't even add me to this category, dude. I'm 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 the least consistent. I'm I'm trash. You guys are you guys have absolutely killed it. And congratulations, by the way, to first of all, everybody here. You got Tom is like the OG. I think that's the one at least I found first. Yeah. And then Jordan's like with his looks and his ability to tell stories and it's like, boom, he just skyrocketed. And you guys are just, I don't know, man, you guys really did really well, especially with your, what I admire about all of you, except Jordan kind of slacks here. There's the consistency. That's the part I can't, I can't get myself to be consistent because it's at a cost. There's a cost to consistency because to, to make the video, to create it, you're taking away from something else. And it's always that battle, right? And that's, Congratulations to all of you. It's amazing. I, I I think people don't understand how how difficult this is to do consistently, especially for years. Like like one thing is consistent for, for six months. Consistent for years is insane. There's very so, few things that I've done for three and a half years straight consistently, TK. But here yeah. we are, and I feel like uh, you know 
it hasn't felt like it's been that long. But when I try and do a video like you three do, when it's like just me and I'm talking about something specific or serious, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't feel it. But when I'm with TK, then it's like this whole other thing comes out and I get like this comfort level and I don't have to worry about the content that I'm making every day. We just have to come here and talk once a week and just stay with that. And I think that is a hell of a lot easier than what you three do with all the edited stuff and making scripts and planning. And I mean, you got to keep coming up with that. That's why Vaz is not able to do it because he can't say no to people when they ask him for a little bit of help on the weekend, right? Or his, he needs to do something around the house, right? Me and TK, we sit for an hour a week, right? There's a couple other things that happen in the background, but it's not hard to do that. I, I, I don't know why more people don't like Tom, isn't the podcast like so nice and comfortable, right? It's like you show up it's, for a week, an hour. An hour podcast takes an hour and a half of total production. A 10 minute video could take three and a half hours of production. It could yeah, take no, multiple that's, days. Yeah. It could take days, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, right. And I, I struggle. Those 10 minutes are four hours for me. And it's like sometimes maybe two, but you see it in the quality of the video that it's just, uh, you kind of like winged it or whatever. Right. So, so maybe what it's, everybody should start year, a podcast. What I've noticed this year is that there has been really very small correlation between market activity and interest in Canadian real estate news. Do you know what I mean? Huge, huge. It are if you look at our views, it literally follows like the sales trends in the market. Like more but, people but right are interested the as they're trip, ripping. We we it did do that, but then now in the last three months it's changed. We've, well, that's because the show changed. People, yeah, but also because people are are thinking about it, right? Like so like most people. Most people aren't consuming real estate content for fun unless they're near that window where they're thinking of making a change, right? Like, th sure, there's some people who really want to be really educated. Maybe they're investors, so they're trying to time things. Like, they'll pay a lot of attention. They're sort of your core audience, I view. But then you have the transient people who are only paying attention to you and the other YouTubers and the other people on X and stuff when they're in that window of trying to make a decision on if they should move. Right. Most people like this isn't their hobby. Like consuming real estate content is not top of their list as much as we think we're interesting. It's like, well, I know I'm not that interesting. So like you're only consuming that content around that period of time. I think we, we just, uh, we ran a poll on our channel. We do polls all the time to see what people are thinking. I just asked people what their plans were for 2024, 32% nothing with real estate, 12% curious to know what their house is worth, 40% thinking about buying and selling, and 16% interested in an investment property. Like, so people want to do things. They're trying to figure out when they should do them. Right, and yeah. they're coming to all of us, guys. Isn't that crazy? Looking for an answer, yeah. But, like, but this is the best thing. It's like, we've. if you go back, all of us have videos where it's like, oops, like I was wrong about this and I was wrong about that. And like, I did this in my past and this, the, the reality is, is like, nobody has a fucking clue and we're all just trying to, you know, use live real time data now to figure out which way things are going. Right. But like, do we, we don't rely on what Tiff says anymore, do we? Or Freeland or that other guy, Trudeau, right? We don't rely on that. That do we, do we rely on the news still? And the headlines, guys? It's information. We, we, I think... Go ahead, Tom. I was just going to say, we use those headlines to make YouTube videos. To get views, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, but we, is we there anything else they're good for? 
to, to regurgitate it. And everybody's always focused on the macro. You know, they're looking at employment, they're looking at uh, uh, income levels, immigration, they're looking at interest rates, the bond market, all these different types of things. And those are the best indicators, like by far. But it's not the like prediction of the future that it's going to happen exactly that way. It's just when you look at the long term, you say, oh, well, look, we noticed that employment was you know heading in this direction. But there's just so many other factors. And I think that goes yeah. back to my previous point is since COVID, there's just been a storm of other factors that have affected things. So it's created doubt where people are no longer just looking at those fundamental macros. They're kind of going, oh, well, what about the supply chain shortage? And what about the foreign students visa applications? And, you know, they're coming up with all these different subcategory topics of yeah. what might change and what might just sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back. And they're all valid. It's not like they're all like worth nothing, but just like our, um, what was it? Our uh, uh, trigger rate, our deferral crisis, now our renewal cliff. crisis, yeah. none of them have yeah. ended up actually materializing into what we all thought that they would, right? No, but what so, did happen is we ended up somehow at like 20% lower prices, didn't we? Like we crashed without really saying, like feeling like, bang, this thing fucking just exploded. Like we just somehow- I we think it wasn't because of a bunch of people because they were deferring their mortgages now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't because the trigger rates came in and all these people dumped their houses in the market. It won't be because everybody's renewing over the next two years. It's just, you know, it's a simple, it to a me, soft landing? It's, it's, to me, to me, it's a very simple thing with the psychology of sales in every business. It's just a sentiment change. And people all of a sudden said, you know what, maybe real estate isn't such a good investment anymore and prices are going down. So I should wait. Because even when prices were high, it didn't make sense. Even even when people were going crazy, it's not like, oh, it made a lot of sense to buy that. Yeah, 15 right. minutes right. to walk through the property. Oh, those pre-cons at whatever percentage above resale prices they were being sold at. Oh, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Nothing made sense. Yeah. So no yeah. one can say, well, at that time it made sense. That's why I wanted. It was the feelings that they had inside that yeah. drove them in order to make it's, that decision. Uh, people buy an emotion, logic, or fear. Or all of them mixed together. Right or, now, or right? Fear, and then you try to back it up with logic after the fact. Right. right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I... Oh, BS. And then they say, well, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, right. You bought because the opportunity presented itself. Your neighbor knocked on your door and said, hey, I'm thinking about selling. You had extra money lying around. You thought it was a good time to buy. Yeah, we had this one person tell you, hey, you know what? Real estate's going up because of X, Y, and Z. And you said, oh, I better go buy something. But at the end of the day, like even the biggest developers, Daryl, you said it many times, the markets made them look like geniuses. Uh, I wish there was a proven, you know, formula for everybody to make money in, in a certain way. Most of the formulas are how to use other people's money to buy real estate. That's yeah. usually the only one that actually is concrete, tried, tested and true. Everyone else, in my opinion, the market made them look like they knew what they were doing. So, but you could be afraid of the market, think it's going down, think it's going to hell and still find a good deal and buy it. Yeah, I mean, you. And this is why this is why I talk about assignments all the time. I, like, it's weird to me that assignment volume is already picking up. Like, you know, a lot of people on Twitter are like, "Ah, twenty five bips is not going to do anything," and I'm like, "It's not going to do anything to the fundamentals. Like, it's not going to improve affordability to any massive degree." But sentiment is the thing that's been driving this market for a long time. It's like, if if you're talking about fundamentals like income to price, it's like, okay, well, we de we detached from that decades ago, yeah. so it's irrelevant, right? So, do you think prices are going to go back to twenty eleven numbers? And usually those same people will say no. And it's like, okay, so you don't think we're fundamentally going to be tied to income levels then because you don't think we're going back to those prices. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, at the same time, you got to, 
toss the bears a bone, it's hard to be a bear out there, right? Because if you started being bearish in 2015, it's like now you're claiming victory. It's like you're, you know, you know, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting, but it's right. like prices haven't come back to 2015 levels. So you're actually, you know, you're Damon in, in Team America. But it's not uh, a fair, it's it's kind of rigged. Like every time something should happen in the economy because it's like overstimulated, oversaturated, over liquefied, you know, that they come in and they drop more on it to solve the problem, right? So all the bears back in 2001 or 1999, whenever the hell, you know, you were a bear, you were right. But you're, it's like going into the casino and guessing everything right. Like it's stacked against you, right? There's somebody there, like the, what do they call it? The, the invisible hand. I mean, it's not invisible. His name is Tiff, okay? It's his hand and he's going to go uh, in one direction depending on whatever the fuck, right? And this is just kind of how it is around here. Uh, I don't even know what point I'm trying to make, but it's like, it, it, there's no free market. There's nobody that knows what they're doing. And we don't even know the data that they're looking at to make their decisions because we're all sitting there on X or Twitter or on YouTube going, like, they really should, like, all of us didn't think 400 bips in, in a year, right? We were all like, yeah, maybe they're going up. I was even like, there's no way rates are going up. Like, good times are here. There's nothing wrong, right? A lot of people were like, yeah, maybe a little bit. So, like, why is anybody listening to anybody about anything, right? Other than just, like, this is why I like podcasts, because it's boots on the ground now. It's, like, people talking about what's really just going on around them. And I can make my own logical deduction based on what they're saying. Not based on a stat that somebody got, three people bought houses in wherever, and now everything's going to hell. Or an unnamed source from Hamilton said... <laughs> Right. Like this is what people are making decisions on. But like, no, I, I want to listen to Vaz or Jordan or guys like Steve Saretsky like or dislike, agree or disagree. I want to hear what's going on in the market. TK, like what a resource all the time to hear what's going on on the street all the time. Right. And different perspective. Right. Like I'm a different kind of investor than your clients are or even my clients are. So I have to look at it from a different perspective, right? And so should everybody, not just like read these headlines and follow like these YouTubers and twi Twitter Well, I think well, one of the things that's actually interesting is that I try not to consume too much media. Like obviously I'm not going to watch every single video that all of us produce. I'll watch here and there. But like what Tom said about, he did a poll, a poll about who's looking to buy. Like to me, that's very insightful. And that is not something you're only going to get it from somebody like him. He's in the top 100 with his team in Treb. So this is a guy that I will look to and I will look at his data a lot more. I'll put a lot more weight on it than somebody else, right? Because anecdotes obviously are not the best, mm -hmm. but some people's anecdotes are better than others. So like, you know, if I was into pre-con, I would probably be listening to Jordan's anecdotes. For me, because resale is more important to me, I'll listen to Tom's or in TK's too. Like TK, you... you you're actually in an extremely interesting position because you work for a, I think Frank's like a top five guy in Treb. Like if I had to guess, like just based on stats I've seen. So the, the anecdotes or the insight you have working on a team that large, mm -hmm. if you were to quantify them, you would have insights that I don't think any of us could access or even understand. This is why I rely on Broker Bay or the Habistat that we no longer have. All right. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. So that's, that's, 
that to me is very interesting. And this is this is what drew me to social media to begin with. And this is why I'm very selective with the accounts I do follow, because you know, you don't want too much information, you just want the right information, the right balance, and then you figure it out for yourself. But there's so many goons out there. Like we just happen to have all the good guys on or gravitate towards them, I think. But like, yeah, I'm super selective too. But look, look at the shit some people are saying out there, especially on TikTok, which is just a free for all of madness. But like people actually listen to this shit. This is the crazy part is like Dude. we can like go, okay, swipe over. That guy's fucking crazy. What the fuck was that all about? Uh, but like people are actually listening to this shit. That, that's what's crazy, right? So I, I'm seeing this trend where pre-construction brokers... Um, and no offense if any of you who have said this are my friends, but I, I'm seeing this trend where pre-construction brokers are on TikTok and on, on Twitter saying, uh, quoting Warren Buffett, right? Be, be greedy when others are fearful and, and yes. fearful when others are greedy. And, and they're, they're saying that as a way to get people to purchase pre-construction. And, and, and it's kind of funny to me because it's like, knows. I forget the part where Warren went on to say, go pay 30% more than something's worth. Right while you're being greedy yeah, include appreciation um, in the formula right yeah i don't think he meant go buy 1700 per square foot condos in moss fucking park when he said that i don't think that's what was on his mind um but it is it is it is interesting just um how wildly the opinions swing on both sides yeah i think you know resale people should quote warren buffett because he owns berkshire the the brokerage so he's all in. He's lo loving those double ends on the residential resale side. So I mean, maybe that's going to be my move going forward. What about uh, what about Tressa? We haven't uh, talked about Tressa. I mean, uh, we were a month in now. You know, we've got these new sort of like Any procedures that we follow. What's oh, um, actually this is a question for, for both of you. I, actually, let me ask you questions. This is for the general public from TK and Tom. Have you guys been? Based on the amount of volume you're doing, have you seen or have you been in a process where somebody opened up the offer process? Has that happened yet? No, no so, open biddings. That was like like the no. marquee of this whole thing was the open bidding. Here's my theory. Here's my theory on how this is going to play out. I did I, my last YouTube was exactly on this, and I used the, an offer night from earlier this year. I had seven offers. Let's say the place was worth one point three eight. Three offers were in the one three seven to one three nine range, and then everything else was lower. So. In a, in a situation like that, I think somebody will be more inclined to open it up halfway through to squeeze another 10, 20, 30 grand out of these offers that are very close by. But then if you have a situation where you, one offer is 1.38 and then two offers are 1.25, then you don't really want to rock the boat with that high offer to make them feel like they overpaid relative to the other offers. So I think the way it's going to work out is if the offers are close together, people are going to start opening it up to squeeze more money out of it. And then if you're too far apart from the top offer and the rest, people are not going to do anything. That's my theory. And I want to hear what you guys say, because Tom and TK are in the yeah. perfect position to kind of walk us, please, through this, uh, through this thing, how it's going to work. I think a lot of sellers, once they see that, like right now, it doesn't matter because most probably aren't getting multiple offers. So open bidding is not really happening. But when yeah. things do pick up and it comes back... I think at the beginning, everyone's going to love it because we want transparency and some people will pay more just to know that it was fair. Right. And I think sellers will start seeing the data and we've interviewed someone behind one of these companies, open bidding companies. And in the States, these, the open bids are selling for 7% more than the closed bids. 
makes sense to me. So I can so only like, use anecdotes like bring a trailer. Jordan, you know, bring a trailer with the cars. Yeah. Open bidding on cars. And these guys always on average will sell cars for a higher price. But it, so it's kind of yeah. crazy to me that sellers can change their so you can start it as an open bidding or start it closed then halfway through the seller can just go well yeah. now i want to give out this information yeah. and you can pick and choose I, I guess you know it's your asset you should be able to do whatever you want uh, but they should have had more clarity on like if you start one way you got to keep it that way um but we're, we're, we don't have enough like evidence yet to see what's going to happen yeah and the issue with any of those stats i mean i smile when people say i sell for more money than the next yeah. guy yeah, fuck you. we our method sells more like it's they're all different properties sold at different times, different ways. And so like, there yeah. is no metric that could be used. The only one is percentage above uh, sold over asking. So you can say, you know, percentage of list price, you know, I sold for 107% average and the average is only 98. I'm 8% better. Well, if your list price were 10% better, it means you sold for 2% less than everybody else. So at the end of the day, um, yeah, I agree with Tom. <clears throat> there's no, there's a lot of ambiguity and that we're just going to have to, you know, like everything else, when they introduce new policies, we navigate the waters and we tell our clients what we advise for them and their personal situation. And at the end of the day, make sure we do our job the best we can. And sometimes an open bid might be beneficial to the client and other times it might not be. Sometimes it might be to open up and then close it or keep it closed and then open it up. We'll get there. Here's a question I have. The, on the buy side for Tressa, if I'm a buyer, I can put a clause in my offer that if the seller was to choose to open it up, I rescind my offer because I don't want the details of my offer disclosed. Okay, so I saw this this clause. And for the life of me, I cannot figure out under what circumstance as a buyer would I want to put that in. Why would I put, put a clause in there to eliminate myself out of the process? Like, I just don't understand. And I I, I don't know if I've, I've thought it through from different angles and I just can't figure out why would I put this clause? It's like, I want the house. I'm obviously bidding on it. I may not be the highest offer, but why disqualify? Look, if my if my price is firm, this is my best and final. Why take myself out of the race? Just leave it as your best and final, and move on. If you don't get the property, I guess I I don't understand why you would rescind or pull your offer if the details of it are shared. Like it's not your name; it's just the price and whatever the, the seller the, chooses. The reason the reason they have that clause is you know let's say I make an offer and it's two hundred grand over asking. I don't want them to shop it around, so I put that clause in so that that way. They can't tell people what my offer is because it's 200 grand over asking. Maybe people aren't expecting that. And so I want a way to be able to null and void my offer so that way they can't just go and get someone to pay 201 or 202 or whatever, right? So I see why the buyer would want to do that. But at the end of the day, you know what? The seller's going to pick the best offer. If you're the best offer and you got that clause, then maybe the seller will say, well, I'm not going to open up the bids because you're the best offer anyways. But we'll tell the agent man, you know what, we were going to open up the bids and everyone was chomping at the bid and, oh, you know, you're so lucky. Like we always, all these agents have these little dialogues during multiple offers, what you say to the agent or after they want, we had a higher offer, but they had a condition on the sale of their property. And also we had decided to go with yours. Like I've heard it so many times now, you're just like, it's obviously BS, right? But um, at the end of the day, the sellers decide. And, uh, you know, if you put that clause in, you know, it could lead to the sellers not wanting to work with you. It could lead to you saving some money. There's too many variables. But at the end of the day, I know why buyers would do that and why an agent would recommend it. And I know why lawyers are coming up with little ways to navigate to Tressa and to try to get their way to, um, you know, show their clients, you know, why it's favorable. But at the end of the day, it's an open market still. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Why? The sellers are in charge. And why, why do we even price things? Like, why don't we just put everything up for auction and see, and put like a reserve, like on eBay, like, you know, 
why the fuck is it like this? Why do we put a price that is generally meaningless to most people involved in the process? Sometimes it's not even a guy, the price. Because, and this is not my quote, this is directly from Keith Roy in Vancouver, everybody believes in affordable housing until it comes time to sell your own property. Mm -hmm. Because if you put a reserve and someone matches it, but you could have gone to open bidding and gotten a hundred grand more, you'd be mad at yourself. But like a secret reserve. Your, like in the back. Secret reserve? Yeah, like you put a reserve in and then you put it out there and see what happens. Won't the market take it to the place anyways? Like does the price change what ends you're, you're up happening much credit they're not that educated on but price that's stuff. where realtors are supposed to come <laughs> in is you're giving educate too much credit. well i mean who uh okay i guess i can <laughs> I I stop there. there i mean yeah you just <laughs> broke my yeah. brain uh the no reserve stuff but again i'm just going based off of cars the car model because like listen some of these cars sell for like what toronto real estate sells for well the car it's, market is like no, like totally no, I'm just talking we, like we do it. perfect the, the <laughs> no, no problems reserve, there the no reserve works if you're testing the market but most people coming on the market they're not testing they're committed like once you've made a decision to sell your house you want to just sell and move on yeah so the most effective way is doing it the way we're doing it i think Rather well, than no reserve, that's the market that didn't work. Relist, start again, try this. How many like people came through that could never afford it? Like it's not like they're just looking on the screen. They're gonna come through your house. Do you want seventy people that can't afford your house to come and look at it under the false pretense that they can actually afford it? Like it's not exactly the same thing. I don't think. But I mean, here's, here's an exercise we do. Let me let me explain this to Daryl and Tom. This might be something that uh, you guys can do too if you're not already doing it. Every week we do what we call a mock. Uh, evaluation. And so we get 40 agents on our team. We send them the information, square footage, maybe it was listed before, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was bought from a builder 30 years ago, whatever it is, Inf as much information as we have about the property itself. And then we say, what's it worth and what's your list price strategy? And every week we all meet and we discuss it for an hour. That's our Wednesday meeting. And so that way we're practicing our method, our skills on evaluating properties. And then you hear why this guy thinks it's worth this, that, you know, we go through it all. And so some of the more seasoned people, seasoned people might have, you know, a lot of the same train of thoughts. Sometimes they differ. And then some of the newer people can learn and say, oh, wow, I see how he got that. Why that's a four bedroom or why that's detached and valuation different just as an exercise, because we need to be really sharp in that area. And we've had instances where those numbers are like a million dollars apart, you know, where you've got a bunch of agents or one guy's saying it's worth a million, one saying it's worth two million because some properties are super unique. And those are agents, right? So again, agents were giving them too now much credit. Now we're talking, guys. This sounds okay. exciting now. But this is okay. the insight I'm talking Buyers about. Are like Tom that and TK have this level of insight. Like, how are you going to get this anywhere? Like, what you're talking about right now is, like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall just watching something like this. Especially, I'd want to see how the variations are between the seasoned guys versus the less seasoned people and how that... And how do you even arrive? What is the right number at that point? And then do you, are you, you holding don't. people accountable? Just, like, for example, like, when it, not, not accountable, like but do you, do you have a lesson? Until it, until it sells, you're not wrong. Like no matter what I say about what I think this property's worth, unless you've got an offer with a check and the buyer and it's firm and they close, what is price? Price is nothing. It's all That's what days. I'm saying. You know, price is nothing. It's just, it's in the air until it's there. Price is nothing. No, Tom's shaking his head. Okay. I, I'll share a quick story here. So the two weeks I ever spent on Twitter until I realized it's not the place for me, some guy screenshotted something I said, another realtor actually, and like really gave it to me. Okay. And the comments were all over me and basically said, 
this guy is, is bragging about how many showings he's had on this condo. I was hired to represent the seller to get them the best price. That's literally my fiduciary, fiduciary duty, right? So the last one sold for 550. This is when the market was bonkers, right? Things were going nuts. I could have listed at 550 and I could have got my client 550. I listed it at 499 because that strategy was working and I gave the seller an option of what strategy they wanted to take. We got 18 offers and it sold for 693. But exactly. I was getting called an asshole because, because I'm trying to do what my contract says with the person that hired me. Sure. So it's just like these conversations. Try building something. Like, I, but, developers are the devil in this city. But our mock evaluation project would have said that condo is only worth five fifty. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Right. But and then, then on, the, on the down, well, exactly. You know, it's like I, I get it when the market goes up. Why everyone's so passionate and frustrated by it? Like I fully understand how that would suck for probably ten of those eighteen buyers that were nowhere close. Why don't we just rely on the appraiser to like set the price based on an appraisal that makes sense? Have a, a finance uh, manager. No, but somebody needs to sign off that these people can actually afford this goddamn house based on their finances. But somebody has to say. Don't think what? that process showed what the market believed it was worth? That's better than one appraiser's opinion. Yeah, fine. Like there's a million ways better than what we have right now. I, I think because look, we've done better everything. For better for who? Better for who? I, I think. Well, if you talk to the end consumer, the buyers, if you talk, well, that's what I'm saying. Running. So if you listen to the people out there who are furious right now with realtors and they may direct it at the people that put themselves in front of the cameras. But I mean, they probably haven't dealt with any of you, but they all hate realtors right now. And it's because they all feel like they've been misled. Right. And, and it's like for who? Well, it's for them right? It's for us. It's for the people that are buying the shit that like as a country kind of feel fleeced. And yes, as a realtor, you guys are just doing the system. Like you're, like you're saying, you're right, Tom, like you, you're doing your fiduciary duty. Your job is to get the seller the highest price. However, there's not really rules as to however, and there are some uh, ethical rules as to how you can do things, right? But it doesn't matter. Like before ethics were out the window in the up market, right? Nobody gave a shit what anybody was up to. There was mortgage fraud. There was everything. Uh, you could you could fuck anybody anyhow. You bought it as is. Tough luck. Appraisal didn't mean anything. The the inspection didn't mean anything, right? And, and everybody was fine with that on the way up because okay, fine, I'll fix this. Now it's worth 120,000 more because I closed 60 days later, right? But now that everybody's getting hurt and people's incomes are going down, everybody's like looking to point the finger and fight. And the people, right or wrong, think realtors are the problem, right? But check this out. Why is the real, why is Tom taking the blame when the real blame lies with the realtor who bought who put that person in that deal for six, whatever the number was, six ninety five or whatever it was. He's not taking That's the where... blame. He's taking the brunt of people's anger because he's in the public forum, right? So, 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 so. But the reality is, out there in Canada, there's this crazy divide, and yeah, we we have glasses on because we're providing it, right? We feel like we're doing the people a service and we're doing our best jobs, but. From a different perspective, right or wrong, agree with it or not, they think that we are fucking them, 
right? They think that I price things too high as a developer to make maximum profits to fuck all of you, right? And Jordan, well, he's working on a commission, so he doesn't give a shit about anything but his commission, right, when he's selling it, and on and on and on. This is their perspective. We hear it in all of our comment sections all the time, right? We hear it in Twitter all the time. It comes from faceless people generally, but this it's the sentiment, I think, that is like, we have to figure out a way around this because if we're in a housing crisis and everybody hates each other and nobody can trust each other out there, like this gets ugly really fast. And it's like, it's already kind of tense out there, isn't it? Or am I just imagining this? Because like there's fucking haters yeah, all over the comments. It, 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 like it isn't, it isn't, it isn't. Like it isn't it's my tense comments, online. but like, but like I, so for example, like, I don't uh, I don't actually do any the last time I've actually done a deal is like three years ago but regardless like my team does deals and like none of them have any problems with like you know we're doing multiple hundreds of transactions a year and none of them are ever talking about oh this guy says he fucking hates realtors like that only happens online right mm -hmm. so it's like it's like you know um but I can see why the like you can we're all in this industry. We understand why the public have so much distrust. I mean, just sure. look on TikTok, look at some of the advice that's given, look at some of the transactions you've been involved with and what realtors on the other side have done. Like you can see, you can, you understand why that distrust is there. I mean, it's very, sure. you know. Yeah. It's what they introduce, so I think we are doing ultimately what, what we can, which is try to give reasonable unbiased advice and that's it. But the, the, the problem is it doesn't scale, right? Like I just learned this term. I, I don't know, maybe I'm late to the party, but, poverty porn and this is like what twitter is it's like poverty porn like who lost the most amount of money i'm like and that stuff yeah. people eat it up but it's like then who's eating it up the people eating it up or do i really want to associate myself with people who are who are excited that somebody lost five hundred thousand dollars of equity in like tottenham like i don't care to like why are you happy about it because they think they're investors they're not investors they're, they're probably just regular people who got caught up in you know foam or whatever and here we are now but um that anyway. that's the whole thing is it's these people are angry because likely they've been burned right somehow okay, that, some that, way that, by the system accountability and then that's this is the part where i i stay out of because mm -hmm. if i was to really speak my mind on a lot of this stuff i ultimately think that this entire thing starts with self-accountability look at yourself in the mirror and, and then tell me who's really at fault right and and most people don't want to hear it because they they want to come online and they want to hear who's going to empathize with them who's going to be understanding and i'm all of those things i understand and i agree and i know what it, how difficult it is to buy a house and i can't even imagine what it's like now but okay so then i said all of that but that what what does that do for you no, but what, what if the the governor of the bank of canada says i'm going to keep rates super duper low for the next uh few years and then doesn't do that like then what do you do like this is this is the whole thing is like whether it's a realtor a government official like everybody's angry about everything because the system is just so messed up on so many levels so yeah i think you're right talking about it openly and trying you know exposing things or bringing light to certain things is definitely helpful but like i think there's a giant divide because if you grew up in a country where it was like not cool to rent and you should own and you got caught up in things and you're still renting, are you not angry at the system for not working for you, but working for everybody around you? Like, this is what we're dealing with. All these people, it's not the people that are, you know, doing well. It's all the people that got fucking fucked by somebody. Because, I mean, look at all the stuff we hear about, all the fraud we hear about. What about all the stuff we don't hear about? 
right? What about all the people that just got so fucked up by people? Like the real, there are real fucking assholes out there. There are real people, realtors who are lying to people to get the sale done. Like there's no doubt about that. We've all dealt with that, right? Mm -hmm. So what about all those people who actually did get screwed by somebody and are pissed and nobody does anything because Korea doesn't give a shit or Aria doesn't give a shit or Vria doesn't give it like Treb doesn't nobody gives a shit nobody does anything because they're just like fee monsters right like what are the people supposed to do other than yell at us because we actually kind of respond no I get it I understand why the general public is is not happy with our industry like it makes total sense yeah. If I didn't know what I knew being on this side, I would probably not, I would maybe think the same way, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. I get it. So what do we do but, to change this as a, as a industry? Like how do we, I mean, open bidding, everybody wants to be. the trust in real estate services right, act. Which nobody, and in the name it says trust. Yeah. And therefore, <laughs> shall bring hey, trust. TK, on, on page 11, it shows clients where they can uh, report us. So it, it's very clear. <laughs> to everybody now what the they need to do if they're pages. not happy right. so yeah well one thing that actually did come out of that thing that nobody's really talking about which to be honest with you well well my daughter just got her license and it was super confusing this distinction they made between a client and a customer right and she kept coming to me going dad like i don't get it and i kept saying i don't know maybe, maybe call tk because <laughs> i can't explain this one but to that's you. part of the changes Daryl. that's part of the that's changes. what i'm saying like but nobody's talking about any of this shit because it's seems to all be completely irrelevant to most people because nobody would click on that youtube video no one would cl yeah. click on your YouTube but video. But they'll click on Tottenham House uh, loses 500000 That's with right. a big red arrow. Realtor scams client out of deposit. Everybody is, an everybody on this, well, except for TK, but th at least three of us are analyzing Jordan's uh, thumbnails over the last, like, <laughs> month and a half, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to figure Dude. out what the fuck <laughs> he's doing. Yeah. Well, gentlemen... Once again, thank you to all of you. Vaz, thank you for sponsoring our 6,000 sub campaign, which maybe we've hit by now. I doubt it. But, uh, no, we didn't. This but should be the episode that does it. So we're, we're celebrating now. We're going to hit it sooner than later. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year to everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Tom, thanks for joining us in our uh, skits and having a fun time. Jordan refused emphatically. Thank you. Probably, Probably a smart, smart move. move. Very we'll smart move. Vaz, we'll have to get you in one of those. Everybody, go back and watch the Clips channel. Go and watch all of the skits on the Skits channel because they're, I went back. TK, these skits are fucking gold, man. And the, the old ones? They're only going to get better. But like they're more relevant now than they were when we put them out because there's there's a genius writing these scripts back here in the background for five dollars a week in Bangladesh. in Bangladesh. Gentlemen, again, happy new year. Thank you for your contributions to society and to our show. As always, we hope to see you again next year. TK, thank you for being prepared with your tech this 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 lovely morning and lovely afternoon. Two weeks in a row. My pleasure. And Vaz, please get yourself a mic with all that money that you're making, charging people for side jobs on the weekend. Get a fucking right. mic for God's sakes. And if you're still watching this thing and you have not subbed, like what the fuck? Honestly, like it's you're just a dick at this point, right? It's just ridiculous. Okay.